0: Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 89. I'm your host, ID3 for Idid John Tonight's panelists are Nina Taylor, Janelle Gibbs, and Dr. Maricela Jimenez. The lovely Nina Taylor, please say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. And Janelle Gibbs, please say hello to the people.
1: Hello, everyone, Happy-
0: Absolutely. And Dr. M.J. Maricela Jimenez, please say hello to the people.
2: Good evening, everyone, and thank you, iFire for inviting me to this podcast.
0: Well, tonight is going to be a nice mix, a nice group. The topic, again, is minorities and women-owned businesses. This is part two. It is an exciting time to be A minority woman entrepreneur according to the 2017 state of women owned businesses report there are an estimated 11.6 million women owned businesses in the US accounting for 39% of all US firms the minority business development agency reported 8 million minority owned businesses in the US as of 2016 with dramatic ideas tech experiences and an entrepreneurial mindset an entire generation of young people are building entities focused on making a difference by making more profit utilizing the many grants available for women and minority-owned businesses as these for-purpose organizations grow and influence accelerator and startups programs that provide support for the unique challenges faced by women and minority entrepreneurs are also thriving. Minority-owned women business owners can benefit from grants specifically tailored toward minority women entrepreneurs. If you know how to access these grants in 2021, and 2022. Tonight, we're going to have a very involved conversation. We're going to discuss how minority and women-owned businesses are benefiting from grants and are benefiting from partnerships from now and beyond as we pivot into the digital age. Tonight, my first guest I want to pull from is no stranger to this podcast. And that's Nina Taylor, the loveliness Miss Nina Taylor. Please shout hello to the people and tell the listeners a little bit about what you're currently doing.
3: Hello, everyone. i glad to be back. Thank you so much, my brother. Um, well, right now, I work as a teacher. I work in radio. I also have uh, a couple of businesses, and I'm looking forward to growing them in the weeks, in the years to come. Um, I have uh, recently gotten my master's last November in entertainment business. And I would like to do a little bit less of what I'm doing every day in the, and a lot more in the entertainment field. And now that I have the necessary tools, I'm looking forward to expanding my business and relocating to Atlanta, Georgia.
0: You know what, tell us a little bit about what did you, you know, just wrote and where your radio stations are being heard and, and things of that nature.
3: Okay well first let me just go back to the beginning at the age of 11 i was interviewed in philadelphia by one of the uh very few uh african-american females that was on the radio at that time uh she came to my school to interview me about being the first uh well one of the first i wasn't the first one of the first safety patrol captains uh in the city so it was kind of like she was going from school to school talking to some of the girls who had, who had joined the squad. And I had joined the squad and then was made captain a few weeks later. But anyway, uh, right after that, that experience uh, was so uh, great to me because I had never seen anything like that. I grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia, went to a neighborhood school, had really never been anywhere outside of my neighborhood other than, you know, to, to the homes of families. So this was something I thought was fantastic, and at that moment, she asked me, "What did I want to do when I grew up?" And I said, "I want to be on the radio." And <laughs> by the time I was 18 years old, uh, I was actually doing it. I went to school, didn't know how or why or you know how people even got into college. Uh, luckily, uh, at that time, uh, we got you know financial aid, and also I got a music scholarship to attend uh, an HBCU here in Ohio. And I majored in broadcast communications, and a year later, I was actually doing it. I was actually on the radio. I couldn't believe that it was actually happening. I got an internship here in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. And after the internship was over, they said, well, you know, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay. And so I was supposed to go back and finish my senior year, but... I didn't I said well this is why I'm going to school so that I can get this job and since they're offering it to me now I can go back to school later so I did that I stayed and I actually started in radio at the age of 19 I gave up my senior year I was in the marching band and everything but I wanted to do it so bad that I just took the opportunity and just went on with it so I've been doing that ever since Uh, since then in 2012 I started the gospel news which is a uh, five-minute news segment that started just as something local at a local station in Texas and after uh, about a year of doing it someone actually heard it from the Los Angeles area and said you know I like that how can I get that on my station and I sent it there and it just kind of started to snowball where people were calling me and I said well wait a minute you know maybe I'm onto something where I can really you know do something with it, you know, on a national level since all these different people would like this new segment. So, from 2012 to 2014, I went from one station to about 25. Uh, within five years later, I was on maybe 50 stations. Six years later, 100 stations. Now, uh, the gospel news is heard all over Europe. It's heard in Africa. It's heard on military radio. It's heard in Canada It's heard on gospel Japan um, It's heard in Germany. I mean you name it in Europe. It's all over <laughs> just all over the world and that's just been since, uh 2012 so it's about close to 2,000 stations if you add them all up and I don't know how many stations military radio hits, but we kind of just kind of have like an average of around 2,000 stations every day that are playing the gospel news. I've been nominated for numerous awards, since 2015 for the gospel news and since then I started my own show which is now syndicated and it's also playing it's making its way across the world too right now it's only playing in London UK in Germany in Canada and about 67 stations here in the US and that's just been in the last couple of years and since then I've also been nominated for numerous awards for that show as well. So it's just kind of snowballed. But in the meantime, I've also been working in the music industry, uh, promoting gospel music around the world, uh, doing consulting uh, for the music business for the entertainment business as a whole. And that's why I decided in 2017 to go back to school, just kind of broaden my knowledge of the entertainment business and get my master's in entertainment business. So that's where I'm at. I am right now.
0: Absolutely. You know, when we talk, we talk for hours, and I know we could get <laughs> caught in a situation. You know what? But, but you like, you know, you like my cousin, so, you know, you're my cousin. But, <laughs> with the, you know, with that being said, when, when, when you were talking, when you were talking, the one word that came to mind, and it resonated for me, and I even heard my pastor break it down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to break it down like he did, but, The one word I heard was imagination. And what it is, is really a nation of images. Your imagination is a nation of images. But my question is, when you see your your imagination and your nation of image, what does it represent to you? Like, what's your why? You know, what's your why? Because Mm -hmm. that's your logo, that's your brand. Because tonight we're talking about minorities and women-owned businesses, and so that's a brand. We're talking about branding. So for people who don't know uh, know you like I know you, but but they see you, uh, they see you at these award ceremonies. They see you on television. They see they hear you on the radio but they want to know what is your why? What makes you get up every day? What drives you to do so many things? Because it's not easy producing uh, uh, radio uh, segments and shows for all of those platforms and making them consistent. And, and, and there's a lot to go into that. And then you're in school, you graduated with your masters, and then you're teaching too. You got What is your why? What's your why?
3: It would have to go back to my father who had always had these long talks with us, and also Dr. Arthur E. Thomas, who was at the time uh, the vice president at Central State University. And, you know, he when he came to talk to us, we were saying, well, how are we gonna go to college? There's no way. I mean, we don't have any money. We don't have this, we don't have that. And he said, all you have to do is set your mind to what you're gonna do, and then put a plan together of how we can make this happen. He said, if you say that you would like to come to my school, he said, let's start from the beginning. You know, come there and check it out. And if it looks like something that you want to do, then we'll figure out how to make it happen. And that's been the way I've gone after things. It's like, okay, what do we want to do? Let's write down a plan. How how can we make this happen? So I tell people every day, even my students, people that I consult in business, let's write it down, just as the Bible instructs us to make a plan, to make it plain. You know, write it down and let's see what steps we have to take to make this happen. You know, I don't put any limitations on myself or on my imagination. I can imagine all kinds of crazy things. You know, I dreamed of writing a book one day. I just published my first book. You know, everything that I'm doing right today are things that I had imagined doing, that I had dreamed about doing most of my life. And nothing has stopped me from doing it or anyone else but myself. So if you don't put any limitations on yourself, there's nothing that you can't do. You know, I produce five shows a week, not just those two, but I produce five shows a week. Two of them are local to, to different stations. And I was recently hired to do two morning shows. So I'm you know, it's expanding everybody, how are you gonna do all this? You know, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. Like, how are you gonna do all this? You're working all day, you're recording all evening, I'm just doing it. It's 24 hours in the day, and all the mine are filled. I'm just doing it.
0: <laughs> just do it. Just do it, Nike. Just do it. Remix. You know, and, and, and don't go anywhere. Hold, hold tight because I'm coming back to you. But okay. the lovely Miss Nina Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, the lovely Miss Nina Taylor, uh, she is a friend and family member of mine. Let me, let, let me change directions here. I want to transition to our next panelist, Janelle Gibbs. Janelle, oh, well, let me, before I say that, Nina Taylor, thank you for adding so much to this podcast, so much value to this podcast, and to the world and the listeners. Uh, with that being said, Janelle Gibbs, please say hello to the people and tell the listening audience a little bit about what you're doing in the world today. Well,
1: Hello again, everyone. Uh, Janelle Gibbs here, and I'm with Harvey Nexus and we are a non profit organization with a mission to alleviate unemployment and essentially we're we're here to change lives.
0: Absolutely. Okay, okay. Now, you know, when when I think about you, Janelle, the first word that comes to mind is networking. Because you are a networker and, and you have to be, right? You have to be. Because you're your boots on the ground. You know, ears to the ground. You got to know the temperature of the environment, of the climate, before you go in and set up shop. And so, please explain how Harvey Nick Inc. uses mission-based recruiting and career coaching for displaced, displaced workers and underrepresented members of the community. Because that's huge, and, it's, and the I would say the threshold is widening. Uh, even now as we speak from the poor and the rich. So, how you set up SHOP? What do you, how do you use your mission-based recruiting and career coaching techniques for, for those people that are underrepresented in our communities?
1: Absolutely, so I love this question and I'll, I'll share with you guys why. So, this is the heart and soul essentially of why we got started where we wanted to really align our life's purpose or life's mission with Harvey Nexus, and that is to alleviate unemployment and with that ultimate goal of reducing poverty. And as a 501c organization, we absolutely understand that nonprofits are changing the way, just organizations in general, or organizations globally, And with that, we set on a mission and we established a pledge that what we found in doing is bringing that to the community, bring the change to the community. So to answer your question, uh, we do specialize in professional recruiting and career coaching, supporting those displaced workers and those who were impacted by the events of 2020, not to state the obvious. Uh, We also work very closely with college students, those young and seasoned professionals. Um, those in untraditional and underrepresented communities. And the idea behind a mission-based recruiting and career coaching program is that we wholeheartedly believe that everyone should have a career that they enjoy and one that they are passionate about, one that really excites you, and one that you really wanna get up in the morning and do. And for anyone who, I, I guess, comes across Harvey Nexus, we want you to be treated as a person and not just a number or, you know, a means to an end or someone who's punching a clock but rather a person, a human being, someone with dignity, and I think that's something, you know, during 2020, a lot of that went through the door for some of us, and uh, feel like someone who is truly respected. And uh, what we have created is an opportunity marketplace that prepares and encourages these job seekers or the participants within our different programs through career mobility, and ultimately, that would help them navigate through today's changing workforce, right? So our goal is essentially just to give everyone that clear view of their future, I know we're talking about imagination here, so that just really ties into here. You know, really go in and everything that you have imagined to really have that clear picture here. And uh, provide career-relevant education tools and resources so that you can be better prepared for our current economy. So, essentially, that's who we are. That's what we do, and that's how we support uh, displaced workers. Thanks for that question.
0: No, thank you, thank you. And I I want to pull up one of you. Uh, ladies tonight uh, with a question about grants. About grants, because like I, I mentioned uh, early on that, you know, these for-purpose or these social change organizations, like like all you have that's on the panel, uh, you know, there are so many grants out there that are available right now, especially to women, especially to minority women, and, and minority women entrepreneurs. Uh, who wants to talk about uh, some of the grants that's out there that people may be overlooking right now or, or some of the opportunities that are out there that people may be overlooking right now who wants to who who wants to tackle that
1: um, i could take a shot at it because uh, i'm right this is like everything i look into every day right when it comes to grants so um, I'd like to start off by sharing you know, what a grant is, which is typically that sum of money that's given by either a government or an organization or a foundation or maybe an individual contributor um, for a particular purpose. And essentially, it, it's what I call free money, right? Uh, so, as an entrepreneur and in business, you know, being in business, that is essential for our nonprofit world for how we operate, how we do things. So we look for grants every day, all day, every day. And uh, what I find most important though, because we're a new organization, and that's the point that I'll share, is uh, partnering with established organizations who already have access to grants will really uh, speedway your head, speedway just your progress for you to have access to the funding that you need to essentially do what you need to do, expand your mission, expand your community impact and so forth. And uh, I don't want to, I guess, speak ahead, but there are a lot of uh, local government and even on the federal level, they do have grants out there that, it you know, simple Google search. Google is everyone's best friend, right? So if you search for, for example, uh, minority grants, you'll have an entire list that will come up. It will take a lot of time to research. So I would say dedicate a certain block of time throughout your day or throughout your week and say, I'm going to research on grants because there are grants out there from private and public sectors that you can search for.
0: Perfect, perfect. That's going to help so many people. That's going to help so many people help uh, get organized, uh, help fill in the blanks, help them um, have more tools. So thank you so much uh, for responding to that. And that was Janelle Gibbs responding to that question. Let Let me go to my next panelist, but before I do, Janelle Gibbs, as always, you add so much to this podcast, and I just love your spirit. With that being said, I want to. Go, <laughs> with that being said, I want to. I want to go to Dr. MJ, Dr. Uh, Maricela Jimenez. Please say hello to the people and tell us what you are doing and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Impact Education Leadership once more. Thank you, Isaiah, and and uh, good evening,
2: everyone. Well, uh, professionally speaking, my my primary role is doing the business in human capital talent management that's uh, essentially helping individuals uh, mostly college educated individuals to uh, advancing their careers but at the same time helping uh, the employers understand what uh, systems or what is not in alignment within their business so i can help them and uh, the main focus is working with the um, the employees uh, so that's one of the things that I'm doing. But uh, in that community, as part of my uh, my give back to my community, is working with students to help them remove barriers. And I've worked with four structural barriers that uh, I have identified over the years that continue to prevent the students, uh, after they graduate from high school or enter uh, college, um, I, I do recognize that many of them do not end up finding gainful employment and succeeding and promoting within their workplace. And that's one of the um, areas that I am working in collaboration with other community partners and uh, local, even local politicians.
0: The one word that comes to mind when I think of Dr. MJ, and it starts with an M, is mentorship. And looking at mentorship, there is a range to mentorship. So this mentorship range of So, mentors need mentees. And these mentees, when you have them, they're not full because if they were full, they wouldn't need a mentor, right? So, you provide information. You provide knowledge. You give them tools to help them improve, right? Those blind spots that they can't see. You encourage them, so you give them a, a strong sense of encouragement, a, a and so this is a pool. This is a mentorship pool, and then how do you? Because I've worked with you in the field, and how do you assess all this? Well, you do surveys. You you do surveys because I was watching. You do surveys to measure and observe the growth. So, were you about to say something before I ask you a question?
2: Yes, you know it's it's. One of, one of the things, um, having worked with with different groups, uh, different populations, whenever I build my business case and write my letters, whether it's to my local representatives or all the way to my president in the United States, one page, I have to make sure that I have some data to support why I am making a claim in in a call to action to help the students, and you're correct, uh, data is one of the, uh, the strategies that I use, and it has been very effective. It, if I cannot measure, then it becomes my opinion, uh, and just my opinion uh, can only take me so far, but when I produce data, the data helps me validate
0: uh, those claims. Absolutely, absolutely. Data-driven, data-driven. Well, you know, I'm, I, I guess, guess what? So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked. The lovely Miss Nina Taylor, and that is, you know, people that don't know you would like to know and see what you stand for and what is your why. So that's my question for you.
1: Yes,
2: um, and I, I would love to repeat this quote from President JF Kennedy. Um, and one, because I came from Mexico and I became a naturalized U.S. citizen, and one of the things, one of his quotes says, uh, ask not your country what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. So, having been in this country for 29 years and having come to this country with only the most fundamental basics, um, which was, you know, a few, few things, and learn English only that way and having gotten educated, uh, 2016, having I completed my doctorate degree, And I continue to educate myself in so many many ways. It's not just having college education and being college educated, but being educated culturally, socially, and and remaining very um, in touch with my community. I I just moved to Houston area, Harris County, just uh, over a year ago. And right away, I started investigating my community. Who is my community? Who are my neighbors? And I saw what I learned is that why is it that I came from uh, another country and I had uh, parents that had no access to resources financially or, or literacy. So I, I realized that how much I have been given and I want to give back. Uh, and, and with that is uh, providing access to resources, not just the knowledge that I share, but uh, much, many resources available for the students and the parents. And removing the structural barriers, uh, and, and, those are economic, economic barriers, right? Social barriers, institutional barriers. And, and empowering them to standing up and believing that those things are also possible for them. So why I do this, I do it because it's my social responsibility to giving back to the country that welcomed me, has educated me, and has opened doors for me. And I would not, I would not be enjoying the quality of life in, in this country, had this country not opened the doors and embraced me. And um, for those people who are naturalized, we pledge that we are going to be socially responsible and become productive citizens and give back to our community. And so I took that pledge very seriously and I honor it every day, everywhere I go. And that's my
0: wife. You are so screwed. You are a shrewd business one. You are just, uh, listen, when you talk about social barriers, I've been out with you in the field and I've seen you put stuff together. It you just made my jaw drop. Just jaw drop events that you will find a place that you would, you would never think about and do a major event there and, and you would save thousands and thousands of dollars I've seen you put I'm just gonna tell you secrets I'm sorry you have to be mad at me but I, I've seen you put together a, like a $18,000 event the neighborhood was in Los Colinas Texas okay which if you want to rent out a space out there you, you're talking about per day eight, eight to fifteen thousand dollars for the size place, the capacity place that you use. I'm not gonna tell the amount that that you spent, (laughs) but you had a budget. You had a budget and you made that dollar stretch and you had food, you had catering, you had PA system, you had the engineers come out, set everything up and leave it to you. And I'm, I'm like, how did you do that? How did you do that? And that's that mentorship. That I was talking about. You, you are a shrewd business lady, and you know I, I want to throw this question out. Anyone can answer this on the panel. It doesn't matter whoever wants to do it, whoever wants to go first. But how do you shape the minds of the young entrepreneurs, the the, the the young entrepreneurs, to have that entrepreneurial mindset and that entrepreneurial spirit as as young women, as the next generation of young. Entrepreneur, what tools, what advice can you give them to help them shape, to help them go in the right direction, to, to help them know what kind of support systems uh, to use, support uh, systems like, you know, support groups, people, who to stay away from, who to be around is going to help them transform, not deform, gonna, who they need to be around to help them with positive core values, who they need to be around to help them be consistent and sustained to give them a sense of sustainability, to give them a sense of structure. Who wants to take that?
3: Well, I could just add a little bit to it which was told to me, you know, surround yourself with people who are already successfully doing what you want to do. See if you can get an internship, an apprenticeship, you know, What do you have to do so that you can learn from people who are successfully already doing it? That's the way I learned. That's the way uh, the person who trained me learned from being in the environment that you want to put yourself in, learning from people who are doing the same thing that you want to do. That's the way way you learn, is by getting that practical experience and hands-on and seeing who's doing it successfully. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? How is yours going to be different? You know, how can you improve on things? That's the way you learn.
2: This is um, this is Maricela. I, I want to say that my approach is taking a look at the person. For example, last week I met two individuals, one uh, young African-American man and one young um, Indian-American, so parents are from India, but uh, both, of course, uh, just graduated from high school, and they have seen me around, and we have interacted, and I asked them two different questions, right, because they are uh, different backgrounds, different gender, different ethnic uh, background, of course, that shapes who they have become. And the the question I asked you to the girl is, what lifestyle do you want to have uh, once you graduate from college? And when I heard that she did not know, really, she couldn't answer that question, I had to come back and realizing and remembering that, um, culturally speaking, many ethnic minority groups, they are not always empowered. They may have educated parents or, or parents with just high school diploma, but there is a cultural uh, dimension that many of these students are yet to overcome. And so I begin with a conversation about just getting to know the person and, and exploring his or her uh, desires, passions what parents are telling him or her to do versus what she or he thinks uh, she would like to do or, she, or he would like to do. And and so that's my, my building trust with them and, and guiding them from that and instead of having them take big pieces of, of knowledge and advise, I go, I go back to where they are and I meet them there. And then from there, once I build a trust and they, are, they open up, I begin to introduce them to all these opportunities that five feet from them they cannot see. And when they are ready, they are ready to actually explore and take it further. So that is my approach.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. What about, what about this? So for the daydreamers out there, for the young ladies that out there there that they daydream, they, they but they have dramatic ideas. They have these great ideas, but they never, they never come to fruition and they just sit on them. What would you say to those young ladies who have those dreams of aspirations of being this, of doing that, of experiencing this, experiencing that? How mm-hmm. how would you help them? You have yeah, said everything in motion, go ahead.
2: Yes, and so for that what I have done, I have matched them with a with an individual and I usually say go to levels higher on influence. Um, one one example is that this person wants to be wants to own her own business or his own business, right? And um, match that person with someone who's already in that industry or already has done it and and have the person Become an informal mentor. It doesn't have to be a formal mentor, but just answer, be available to answer questions, and inspire and carry on on the inspiration. Um, One of the things that I always say: journal your thoughts and and journal how you would accomplish those things. And a lot of times, they lack the ability to do, you know, to accomplish tasks because they don't have the um, task management skills. So guiding them and but keeping that flame alive and in aligning them with people that are are available and willing and believing the dreams inspire and motivate them.
0: Oh, that was good. That was good. Janelle Gibbs, I know you've been, I know you're sitting on your hands. What you got? What you got?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm taking notes here.
0: Wow, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know what? We we are out of time. We're out of time. But before I let you ladies go, what are the takeaways for tonight? Who wants to go first?
3: Well, I can go first. Um, my takeaways, as always, I'm always inspired by such great guests that you have participating in the podcast. My takeaways are dream bigger and take those dreams Stop laying around dreaming and put them into action. And I'm a witness that, that that's how things happen. You dream about it, you talk about it, and then you make it happen. No one will give you a job, make your own job. Make your own job, make it happen. You wanna work in radio, nobody will give you a job in radio, get your own radio station. You know, it's just that simple, dream bigger.
2: Yeah, I, I'll just, uh echo that and I, I love I think the idea just visualizing that planting the seeds as uh, we are all influenced when we are young you know a young child and and just not allowing the feedback and the, the people who along the way may come and say oh you know you can do this or it's going to cost too much but if if that seed was planted and we as adults and see that in, in the younger generation, I think uh, take it personal in, in water, nurture, cultivate the seed and see it grow because uh, those are the new generation and, and I, take, I take responsibility for um, doing that. So that's my, my takeaway the planting the seed and
1: cultivating it. I'll have to say my takeaway was to continue to expand my imagination and I, I charge the listeners of this podcast to do the same because you can go as far whatever you think you know this is the ultimate that I can't go into get in bigger than the times we buy 10 and just keep pushing and it was mentioned earlier that to um, oh, regarding opportunities that sometimes you have to create it on your own opportunities are out there and they do exist uh, but sometimes it may just be easier to create your own or it may just be your your calling to create your own and create opportunities for others as well. So those will be my key takeaways.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, my takeaway is I'm so proud of all y'all. <laughs> well, look, this was another impactful night of the Impact of the Education the Leadership. This is episode 89. Our parents tonight were the lovely Miss Liam Taylor, Janelle Gibbs, and Dr. Maren Sullivan. And then, good night.